Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Believe in Falcons. I'm your host, Will McFadden. We have a very special guest on today's podcast, Caleb McGarry, who has recently signed a brand new extension with the Atlanta Falcons. I don't is a new contract an extension. I was never fully clear on that. Anyway, he is back with the Atlanta Falcons as the right tackle moving forward. So I caught up with him, uh, chatted a little bit about football, but our game plan was and a little bit of the deal was he has a lot of really cool interests off the field as well. He's a big hunter. He loves video games like I do. So it was a little bit half football related, half uh, just pop culture, his other interest, unmasking the player a little bit. So I really hope that you guys are excited about that. I'm very excited uh, to share it all with you guys. I thought it was a great interview. And Caleb is just one of my favorite guys to watch on the field. Um, I really enjoyed getting the chance to meet him as a rookie when he was drafted by the team, seeing him and Chris Lindstrom come in together and, and getting the chance to meet them at the indoor practice facility was really cool. So just seeing how he has evolved and grown as a player, um, it was great to catch up with him. So if you are watching this on our YouTube channel, which I encourage everybody to please go give that a follow. We are going to be beefing it up throughout the upcoming offseason, the draft, training camp, and into the season. That is where we're going to be adding a lot more videos. If you're watching this on our YouTube channel, unfortunately, Caleb and I did not record our uh, our session on video, so you'll only be able to hear that on our audio platforms, which you can find Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be able to find it there. Just search Believe in Falcons, B-L-E-A-V, in Falcons, and you'll be good to go. But hope you'll stick around and at least watch this intro on our YouTube channel or go check it out um, if you want to see you know, what I look like. And of course, as we get more guests uh, involved, you'll see their pretty faces as well. Trying to figure out the video thing. I'm, I'm still new to this, uh, but I'm learning. Just like I learned the audio format, I'm learning video. Everybody pivoted to video a long time ago. They left me in the dust, um, but I'm catching up slowly but surely. Never say never. So before we get into uh, my conversation with Caleb, I want to take a real quick break and uh, read you a sponsor or read you an ad from our, our sponsor today, Bet Online. BetOnline.ag is your number one source for all basketball info, stats, news, and analysis. You can get the latest odds, news, and info for everything involving the NBA Finals, the playoffs. Maybe you got a little golf action in you. The Masters is, is starting right around the corner, and Major League Baseball is back. So from everything involving NBA, golf, Major League Baseball, BetOnline is your sports information headquarters this season. If you love sports info, scores, news, podcasts, just like this one. You can find everything over at BetOnline. They're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to get in on the action. Be sure to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's that easy, guys. Remember, BetOnline, where the game starts. All right. Now that that's out of the way, let's get into kind of my main topic for the open today. And that is this Falcons defense, guys, it hits different. I went and crunched the numbers. Of course, we know the big names coming in, right? Jesse Bates, huge addition at safety, a major, major free agent acquisition 
kind of like the Falcons haven't had in, in a long time. I mean, you know, I'm trying to think like Alex Mack in 2016, obviously huge. Mamadson New ended up being a big factor um, kind of for those couple of years, but not to that necessarily, not necessarily to that level. But I think Jesse Bates really has a chance to come in and kind of re-energize and totally not reshape, but maybe create part of this new identity that clearly Arthur Smith wants to bring on the defense side of the ball. So you've got him, Caden Ellis, who I think would get my award for the sneaky underrated with the chance to like quadruple your returns in, in year two uh, player. I think he is really fascinating and I'm excited to watch him just kind of get an idea of what he brings to the table. He said he's versatile, a um, little bit of a Swiss army knife to add to this defense. David Onyemata, a very similar player to Grady Jarrett, but more of the power to Grady's uh, speed and finesse. So I think that those two guys pairing together is going to be awesome. And then, of course, Calais Campbell, <laughs> the huge signing, uh, which we haven't really touched on to a, a big degree here yet. So I'm excited to kind of share my thoughts a little bit more about him. But having him on board, huge, I think, both as, as a leader but also, he says the Falcons want to use him about 60% of the snaps, that they envision him as a true defensive end, first, second down role. Of course, we know what he can do as a pass rusher, but he said that type of Cam Jordan role is in watching what the Saints did defensively. That's how he envisions himself fitting here in Atlanta. So I'm excited to have him on board for all factors, right? What he can bring on the field. Uh, still had five and a half sacks last year in, in somewhat of a limited role. And obviously he's on the downturn. He's played 15 uh, seasons in this league, but they were very productive. And I'll, I'll get to some of those numbers here in a second as to why all of these guys are going to be really big um, impact players. But then a couple others who I don't want to leave out, even though yeah, I wonder what their impact will necessarily be for this defense. But Mike Hughes at corner, a former first round pick. Then you also have Tay Davis and Joe Gaziano. Um, so yeah, I think let's first off start with why this change is is going to really impact Atlanta. I mean, beyond the obvious reasons, right? You add starters at pretty much every level of this defense. And this just highlights really where the Falcons have been and how this offseason is really getting them more in the model of consistency on defense and the ability to kind of make some plays, be violent on the defensive line. As Calais Campbell said that he Arthur Smith wants violence on the defensive line. That sounds great. So I used um, approximate value, which is found on pro football reference. Honestly, it's not the end all be all. And that's in fact, a, a word that they are a phrase they use to describe it on their site. There's some flaws. And uh, honestly, I think the biggest flaws are kind of in the secondary because what approximate value is, is essentially trying to be is one number to kind of compare players uh, across all positions across for one season, just how effective were they? How much value did they bring to their team? And, and they come right out, uh, <laughs> right out in front at pro football reference and say, look, this, this is not perfect. It's, it is approximate. It's approximate value. And they say that a player with a 16 approximate value may not have had a, a better season than somebody with 14 approximate value. It's just that kind of, if you compare, Buying everything, all of the aspects of what they brought to the table, special teams, um, tackles, interceptions, pass defenses, sacks, all of that. It tries to mush it all together into one number to give you an idea or a starting point for comparison. Some people, I love pro football focus. This is not nearly as detailed as that or football outsiders or some of these advanced analytics. 
it's more just a random baseline. So for the purposes of this intro, that's what I went with because there's wiggle room. We don't really know what we're getting from all of these guys all the time. So I looked at the approximate value for the Falcons defense in 2022. The leading one, honestly, a little bit surprising was Lorenzo Carter, who had an approximate value of eight. Uh, A couple of guys just behind him, Grady Jarrett, Rashawn Evans, uh, they were both sevens. And then you have four young guys with sixes, Jalen Hawkins, Richie Grant, Michael Walker, and Ade Ogundeji. Not surprising, I think, that both of your safeties are in there just because they played a lot this season. They're going to be involved generally. Your linebackers are going to be pretty high in approximate value because they're getting a lot of tackles. Uh, Your defensive linemen, if they are getting those stops, tackles for loss, sacks, that can sometimes bump it up as well. So I think Lorenzo Carter being very productive in a lot of different areas, it's not a surprise that he is the top um, dog there. But when you look at just the league-wide, you get a sense for, and, and unfortunately, Pro Football Reference doesn't give you the full breakdown, or if they do, I've yet to find it, of everybody's approximate value for the season. But the top guys in the league defensively last year, Matt Milano, Micah Parsons, both at the top with 19 as their approximate value. Again, Lorenzo Carter, top approximate value for the Falcons defense in 2022, had an approximate value of eight. So those guys both had 19. Just below them, Nick Bosa, defensive end, or edge defender, I guess, 18. Then you have three, uh, Roquan Smith, Fred Warner, and Quinn and Williams with 17 each. So that's a long, or that's a big gap between kind of the top guys. And again, these are the top, top guys last season defensively, according to approximate value. But the Falcons, you know, best players. And we all know that Grady Jarrett's awesome, but that's a big gap. So you look at the incoming players. Jesse Bates last year, an approximate value of eight. So automatically, that's as high as Lorenzo Carter's. But he here, his career high is a 10. And that was just two seasons ago. Jesse Bates is still in the prime of his career and should be in the prime of his career for hopefully the duration of his contract here in Atlanta. His average approximate value is a seven. So I think that he brings a very, very high floor. Year in and year out, you're going to get a starting caliber player for this defense and, and a very high level player for looking at the Falcons defense last year, he would have been easily among the best players. That's not a shock. Again, that's why they brought him in here, but it's the consistency that they're trying to build on the defense. And that is where plugging him in, even though it's kind of technically a small upgrade in terms of approximate value. And that is again, where it's flawed a little bit because it's more production than it is true, true impact. But you add him to a safety group that was already pretty strong. Now you're creating your depth in your secondary. I think their secondary is pretty close to set, even though they could go corner potentially here in the draft. Um, but Jesse Bates elevates the defense. You don't need me to tell you any more about that. We all knew that. Lais Campbell, his career high is a 16. So the best, and he's far from that, I think, now. Again, he's going into year 16. You can't expect him to be putting up double-digit sacks like that, that's probably just not feasible. It would be great if it happened. I don't know if that should be the expectation. His career high, though, was a 16 approximate value. He can touch those stars, or at least he did at one point. Last year, he had an approximate value of seven. The only time in his 15-year career that Clayus Campbell has had an approximate value below a seven was as a rookie when he did not start a game. Every other season, he's been at least a seven, and usually way, way above that. So his career average is a 9.6. Clayus Campbell, even though he's not what he once was, automatically better 
than what the Falcons have had on their defensive line in a long, long time. So that's awesome right there. Bring the violence to that defensive line. Yes, he's old, but he's got that leadership. And I think he's still hungry. And based on what he said, he believes in this Falcons team. And I think that's as exciting as anything, to be honest. Caden Ellis. This one's tricky and interesting because last year was really his first year on the scene. He got a six as an approximate value. So right in line with those young players that I was talking about, Michael Walker, your Ade Ogundeji's of the world. But you're trying to, you believe, as I mentioned earlier, that you're buying low on him, that he has kind of nowhere to go but up based on what you saw last year. And they said that, the Falcons said that they believe he can be a serious pass rusher for them. Like he's got a little bit of all of the tools in the bag. And I think they're very interested in pursuing that. So last year, he's a six before that. Not much. I mean, really in this league for four years, uh, he's got like a 2.25 career average. But again, most of it comes from last year. So that's what we should be focused on. And then you got David Onimata last year, approximate value a nine. So even higher than Grady Jarrett, higher than anybody on the Falcons defense, his career high also happened to be a nine because it came last year. His average is a five. So again, a very high floor guy year in and year out, you're going to get that production, but takes the ceiling up a little bit. He's able to produce at that Grady Jarrett type of level. And it's the first time that Grady Jarrett, maybe since Dontari Poe has had that guy next to him that you can really say that about. So you start to see where it's not a lot. They didn't necessarily go out and, and get a Miles Garrett type of player. Yes, Calais Campbell was at one point a premier pass rusher in this league, but he's kind of past that. But he's still very, very good. I wonder, though, if this team, again, maybe is not leaving one of those spots open for somebody TBD in the draft, say, that's coming up. So maybe that's where they get that juice. But if you look at this, they've added two players to their defensive line where they needed the most help and they have said they want to build in the trenches. They added a very interesting player at their second level at linebacker who can kind of play a bunch of different roles, including on the defensive line for you. And then you added a leader on the back end who can hopefully from the top down just cement everything, put a tent, play has this versatile role for this defense. Versatility is the name of the game, right? So looking at that, it's just clear that this defense is fundamentally going to be different than anything we've seen recently because the spine of this, like at all three parts, they've got a different leader. They've got a different kind of face. And I don't know if Caden Ellis is that yet, but he's very similar to Troy Anderson, who the Falcons clearly like. And I think it's going to be uh, ushering in a new era of like type of Falcons linebacker. So in that way, yeah, like these are three guys that you expect to really be pillars in 2023. And that, doesn't account for whoever the Falcons could add in this draft, whether that be a cornerback like a Christian Gonzalez or maybe an edge defender again, like a Tyree Wilson, or do they go all the way up and they get Will Anderson if they, if they feel that they can make a move like that. So let's real quick, just look at, and this is kind of a futile exercise before we get to Caleb McGarry, who could be the starters, like just playing around a little bit because we don't necessarily know as of now what the Falcons defense is structurally going to look like. But Ryan Nielsen comes from New Orleans and Clayus Campbell saying, hey, that Cam Jordan role makes me think, all right, could be four down linemen. To my mind, like I'm I'm just struggling to figure out who is that other end, because last year their their edge players were their linebackers. Arnold Evacati was listed as a linebacker, Lorenzo Carter. Listed as a linebacker. Ade Ogundeshi listed as a linebacker. So 
defensive line as players who are labeled defensive line on the Falcons kind of communications portal. Blaise Campbell is a starter. David Onyemata is a starter. Grady Jarrett is a starter. Those are three right there. Taquan Graham, I mean, he's played to a starter level last year, but he's kind of in that mix with with Grady and David Onyemata. Like, he's not a true end in a, in a four-man front, in a 40 front. So, Eddie Goldman, he's more of a nose tackle. Could you do a, a, a four-man front where maybe you bump out a David Onyemata or a Grady Jarrett? Like, maybe, but again, what kind of body type are you looking for there at your other end? Calais Campbell seems a little bit better suited to really hold that strong side and be that point of attack. Don't you want somebody quicker, faster? Is that maybe where they beef up Arnold Evacati and and say, hey, man, be more of this edge? They could. I think he's got that juice. But last year, he was in a little bit more of that hybrid role. Then you've got Timmy Horton, Jalen Dalton. I don't think they're factoring into the starting mix at all, but they're going to be key rotation players. It's just this is a lot of defensive tackles. This is a lot of interior defenders and not a lot of edge guys. Again, part of that could just be the way the Falcons have this labeled on their site. But right now, I mean, that's a big question for me. It's just how exactly is all of this going to look? So let's go to linebackers. Troy Anderson and Caden Ellis, those seem pretty solidly your interior guys, maybe on, on these nickel packages. And, you know, they're going to have a strong role, um, I think, just all the time on the field. Your edge guys, your outside linebackers, again, Arnold Ibikati, Ade Ogundeji, uh, Lorenzo Carter, D'Angelo Malone, all of those guys are kind of listed as those outside linebackers, and there's going to be a rotation there. I think that, obviously, Arnold Ibikati, is, if he's still that outside linebacker, he's going to be a starter. Um, that's why you drafted him highly to be that starter. I think sometimes they can go with a Michael Walker and insert him there as one of the inside linebackers and bump Caden Ellis out as the other starting uh, edge, if maybe they want to go to a three-man line with two more of a three-four look, and you've got your Ellis and Ebikati kind of combos on the edge with Walker and Anderson in the middle there, like they could absolutely do something like that. Or even a Lorenzo Carter, like if he wants to fill in um, maybe for an Ellis or, or an Ebikati out there as well. And Ade Ogundeji, like he's going to factor into this because I do think they really like him, even though he didn't have the best sophomore season. The linebackers in the defensive line is going to be wild and definitely worth monitoring. And I'm not even sure that it's fully fleshed out because I think that that is an area where they could definitely, definitely add in the draft in a way that reshuffles it all again. So finally, let's look at the DBs. AJ Terrell, obviously a starter. For now, you got Casey Hayward. He's still going to be manning that other spot as he comes back from injury and he's older. So maybe the draft shakes that up as well. Mike Hughes, probably right now you're starting nickel, um, but he's not really proven anything in the league so far. I wouldn't be shocked if if they ultimately decide not to go in that direction if somebody wins out because there's nice depth here now in the secondary as well. Your safety is Jesse Bates, Richie Grant, which is going to bump down Jalen Hawkins as kind of your first alternate at safety, but they can move him around. He's a ball hawker as well. Um, so I like that. And then your three kind of main reserve corners who could fight for that nickel slot position, Cornell Armstrong, Darren Hall, D. Alford. I don't think Cornell Armstrong is really in the mix uh, for that nickel spot, but it's really nice depth that they have in the secondary. So you can see how these kind of four main additions have really just shuffled things around ever so slightly to bolster the entire Falcons defense. And that is what I mean when I just say that Atlanta's defense is going to hit different next season. We're not going to have to sit there, I think, and almost watch it with with one eye closed because we can't bear to watch because, you know, you just feel like something bad is going to be happening on the other side. This team got better as the 
season went along, the defense got better. And I think they're going to continue that momentum and build on top of that moving into next season, especially given kind of the new additions they have and the veteran leadership that they have brought in. So I've just been thinking a little bit about this Falcons defense. I really do think that maybe it's not completely fixed overnight, but it is way, way different than it has been and in the right direction, in my opinion. So I just wanted to share those thoughts with you all. If you are watching on YouTube, this is it. That was the intro. Uh, We're now going to get into Kayla McGarry. So please check out the podcast on your preferred podcast platform. Go listen to that interview. It was really, really awesome. If you're watching this, you're going to like that. No doubt in my mind. If you are already listening to the audio format, you don't have to do a damn thing. Just hang tight because we're going to get to Kayla McGarry right now. All right. Very excited to be joined by Kayla McGarry, who has signed a new extension with the Atlanta Falcons. Just did so on Thursday evening. Uh, Caleb, congrats. Uh, Welcome back to the Falcons. Uh, How excited are you for this? Oh, dude, I'm stoked. I I appreciate it. I'm I'm excited, man. It's everything I'd hoped for. You know, I I think that this past season, you were one of my players that I really highlighted um, going into the year for obvious reasons, but really just Mm -hmm. seeing how much you you grew. And I know that some of that just has to do with I like to think of like an offense as a little bit of a rock band. And sometimes you different offenses can emphasize different instruments, right? Some mm-hmm. bands are going to be heavy on the drums. Some bands just need a kick ass uh, front man, right? Some some yep. bands want that guitar solo to rip. Arthur Smith's offense seems very, you know, friendly is, is the wrong word because offensive line play is, is anything but, you know, friendly. Um, yeah. It does seem like it puts you guys in a good position to play your instruments to the highest possible level. Can you explain a little bit more about how Arthur Smith and and this offense that you really excelled in kind of unlocks your game a little bit? Well, I mean, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of a boring answer to tell you the truth. Uh, (laughs) just about every offensive lineman likes run blocking more than pass blocking. And just about all of us think we're better at run blocking than we are at pass blocking. And, um, (laughs) you know, I think, that's certainly the case with me that, you know, it's, I think I'm, you know, perfectly capable pass blocker, but you know, the, the ground game is where I at least feel like I really shine. And it's certainly the most fun for me. And Arthur Smith likes to run the ball and, you know, running the ball uh, opens up your pass game because it forces the defense to condense and uh, be wary of that tailback squeezing through the gap. So it makes the pass game that much more successful. It is a little bit, you know, right? Like who who is the aggressor on any one given play? And if you do have that pass first mentality, the defense then almost gets a little bit of the green light, not on every play, right? Because you're not going to throw the ball literally like 68 times a game. But if you are passing the ball 38, 40 times, and it's why it's so hard for these offenses, you know, when they do fall behind, and it's something that you guys did a great job of this year is keeping every game close so that you really could keep that balance on offense. You just mm-hmm. allow a defense to really tee off. And that, that yeah. is where I thought that the mindset that you guys had up front really helped establish this offense because a defense just was on its heels, especially that defensive front and in the box. They just didn't know what to expect um, time in and time out. And watching you out there on the right side, just in space, 
looking to to crush either you know like a, a Sam linebacker <laughs> or a safety coming down to fill the the gap was one of my favorite things. Um, but you and Chris Lindstrom now here for the foreseeable future. Can you talk a little bit about his relationship? It was awesome getting to meet you guys as as rookies when you got drafted and came into the indoor practice facility and did kind of the whole tour. It was really cool to see you grow together and now looking like the the right side of this Falcons offense line for for years to come. What has that relationship meant to you being right next to uh, to Chris every step of the way? Uh, it's been awesome. You know, uh, Chris is, uh, you know, a very close friend. He's my buddy. He is uh, a co-worker. He's, I mean, it's, it's, it's the stuff of dreams, man. You know, I've gotten to work together. I've gotten to work with, you know, one of my best friends for years now on the same side of the line. It's, it's been awesome. And, you know, it's, it probably doesn't seem nearly as, uh, doesn't seem like it's nearly as big a deal probably from, you know, a fan's perspective, but having the time that we've had to develop, uh, the ability to play next to each other that we have is huge too. You know, aside from him just being a great guy, me and Chris have played together so long that we know how to work to next to each other to the point where we don't you know, like we, there's sometimes we don't even make certain calls to one another. Cause you know, we already know what the other's thinking. You know, and it just because we're used to dealing with that situation together, we've done it a million times. Like it's, it's tremendous, you know, having somebody that knows inside and out how you operate under, you know, under this particular set of circumstances within this offense makes a tremendous deal. It's, it's huge. It, it really is. And it was, it is like really. Interesting to yeah see how you guys, especially uh, when I'm referencing that those plays where you're out in space, Chris does an incredible job of of sometimes reach blocking and getting his head around the guy that maybe you would essentially like pin down on on any other given play, and he gets you free. He gets you to that second level and and allows you to kind of attack that space. And so that unspoken bond it reminds me a little bit. Um, you know, we're we're close to the to the same age, so maybe you remember this growing up as well. But like. They would show on on Sports Center or whatever Peyton Manning with like Marvin Harrison or Reggie Wayne, and, and uh, there was yeah. one clip I remember in particular where it was like, "All right, I'm gonna whisper into Peyton's ear like the the route that I want Marvin Harrison to run, and he's just gonna be 15 yards away, like lined up out wide." And Peyton would just mm-hmm. look at Marvin Harrison, and then it would be like, "All right, cool, we're running a 15 yard comeback," and just nothing, <laughs> nothing spoken, just a single look. That's the type of chemistry that you develop, right? Like over years and years yeah. of, of practice reps and game reps, it's just that unspoken bond. Yep. And it's, yeah, it is. And it's, you know, thousands and thousands of repetitions together. Yeah. <laughs> what? The last, last one I want to ask you about the on the field stuff. Um, Desmond Ritter. It's, it's obviously mm-hmm. you now need to develop some of those reps with him, but every indication from the team seems like, hey, we're confident that this guy can go places. It, it seems like from people I've talked to that his mental makeup is really kind of what it takes to to succeed in this league, that he wants to get better, that he's hungry. What have you seen from somebody who has just been up close, get to get to see him every day throughout his rookie year? You know, why does this guy have what it takes to succeed in the NFL? Uh, honestly, he's, I think he's very intelligent. He's uh, quick thinking. He understands the offense. And I mean, I, I think he's going to be a great quarterback for us. Honestly, like he, the way that he operates within the pocket is, uh, very competent and he 
wants to work with his offensive line. And that's like for us, that's a big deal because that we like we'll always know what's going on. You know, he doesn't mind talking to us about something. He doesn't mind asking us or, you know, you know, using our experience and our knowledge, because we've pretty much all been, you know, around longer than he has at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh to, you know, find whatever the best solution is if he doesn't know at the time. Like he's I I yeah, I have a tremendous amount of confidence in him. I think he's going to be a great quarterback. He's got a great arm. He's willing to run, but he's not trying to run necessarily. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, I, yeah, I think he's going to be a great quarterback for us. And he's a great dude too. Great guy. So I'm, I'm happy to be throwing myself around to try and keep him safe. <laughs> I mean, that's, yeah, you got to be willing to do that, right? That's got to be probably a number one uh, prerequisite for a quarterback is other guys want to, want to, lay their body on the line for you. Um, it helps. <laughs> it certainly does. Can you go just a little bit further into like that, that he wants to talk with you guys to inform you of, of what he's thinking, but also get your insights? Because I think a lot of people, when they think quarterback offensive line relationship, it's that old cliche of like, oh, the quarterback's taking the offensive line out to dinner. But it's so much more than that, right? You guys mm-hmm. are, you need that respect. You need that mutual understanding of, hey, like we're all out here to work together as one, like one group of 11. So you can't just be talking to your wide receivers. You can't just be talking to your running back saying, hey, pick up the blitz on this side. We've got to know what's going on up front as well. How, like, how is he able to communicate that, yeah, that to you guys so well? I mean, you know, I, he, he just taps us on the shoulder and says, hey, <laughs> this is what I'm thinking. It's literally yeah, that honestly, simple. Yeah, like it's, and that's, that's the cool part is like, he's not afraid. He doesn't need to be the guy with all the answers. And for us, that's huge because like you said, we got, we got to know, like if he wants to slide the protection a different way, he'll make a call and he'll tell us, uh, instead of just, you know, saying, ah, hell with it. You know, like <laughs> it's, it's a big, that's a big deal. And if we tell, if we tell him, Hey, I think, you know, if this, if the center, you know, stands up, returns his head and says, Hey, we need to slide the protection the other way. He'll do it. Like, it's not, mm-hmm. you know, there's not some argument session or anything. He'll, you know, Edward, it's about working together. And if somebody sees something, the other doesn't, you know what? That's, let's do what we need to do. <laughs> so it's, yeah, it's, it, it's kind of a bore. It's, uh, that's a boring answer, I guess, but it's really just the truth because it doesn't need to be complicated. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, that's like, for me, that's the big, like, I hate things that are overly complicated or things that don't need to be complicated. Mm-hmm. And I just think Des does a great job of trying not to make things overly complicated for himself or us. And he, he talks to us. He wants to, uh, use, use our, um, our knowledge and our experience to help fund whatever solution he needs. You know, if he doesn't come up with it right away himself. Uh, yeah, yeah, I this love is that. this it's... is on the field stuff too. Like he's for the most part, he talks to the coaches about you know specific dilemmas because most of our times are practice. But <laughs> on the field, in the moment, he's very good about communicating with us, and that's incredibly important, right? I mean, yeah. it's you've got to have, and this is my not so smooth segue into the pop culture portion of our conversation. But <laughs> you got you got to have a wingman in the in the plane with you. Uh, did you see Top Gun Maverick this this year? 
I did not. Yeah, Caleb. I did oh, not. that was the first I one I, I had for you, and you didn't see it. No, you got to go see Top Gun Maverick, dude. It's so good. That's what I've heard. I I saw the original. Great, great movie. Everyone said that this last one was was really good. I've seen, I've seen, I think part of it. Actually, okay. I have. No, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I have. I've seen part of it. Uh, <laughs> if if you well, were gonna I, have a Top Gun name, do you know what your what your call sign would be? Oh God, I can't. I can't imagine. I'd probably probably make it something wittier, uh, <laughs> something wittier and insinu- insinuative. <laughs> I'm, just, um, I'm just too i'm just too much of a child yeah like yeah i i'm not <laughs> i'm not witty enough to think of something like i can think of a few different things i just don't know if they're podcast worthy because you you said in like yeah. sinuating and i'm like oh, yeah okay. so that's, that's like my mind <laughs> yeah hence I, I kept it to myself <laughs> there you go um but this so this is something that you know you and i first really started talking about uh early early on in the off season is you're you're a big video game guy uh, and it was i remember in the cafeteria in flowery branch uh chatting you you me and my boss our former boss to speak um just chatting about video games and and i think mm-hmm. skyrim was was one of the big ones there so what are your favorite ones because we've we've talked about god of war i want to get into that a little bit more mm-hmm. but like what during your downtime you're you're plugging in the playstation 5 or xbox one or, or whatever you got um what what are your go-to games Oh, let's see. I haven't been playing it. I haven't been playing them a ton lately, just because I've Good been answer. so busy while I've been home. Good answer. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, honestly, so my my favorite games. I I haven't played God of War for a minute because I beat the game. But man, like that's definitely no in my top. The masterpiece, uh, Skyrim. Skyrim's a classic that'll that should probably that should never die because of just what it is. Yeah. Um, let's see. I really i I downloaded this game called Warhammer uh, Vermintide Two. Okay. Uh, a little bit ago that I've actually kind of been enjoying. It's a little bit hack and slash in yeah. the beginning, but you quickly have to strategize about uh, positional stuff and uh, your party makeup um, if you're going to get through a level, kind of like D anD. d I remember um, uh, that like this is this is super nerdy. But when I, you know, was probably like 10, 11, 12 in that range, we had like Warhammer figurines, like the little uh-huh. plastic pieces that you would then like paint. And some of them were metal, like if, they were, if you were real serious about uh, mm-hmm. what you were getting into. But yeah, like the little figurines, just paint them and yep. create your like hordes, your armies, all of that good stuff. Oh, yeah. I've never played the that's, video games, but I'm familiar with it. Oh, that's still a big thing. Um, I just am. I just I'm just not far enough into the Warhammer universe yeah, to same. get that deep into it. I I got to be honest. I've done a little looking into the lore and stuff, though. S- super cool. Like, <laughs> what a what a interesting uh, world that was created. What an interesting universe that was created. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, I play. I do play a lot of For Honor right now. I play a lot of For Honor. Uh, okay, which is a um, it's essentially a medieval combat game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was playing a lot of Smite, but I've I've been taking a break from that. But I'll probably dip back into it. <laughs> so you're you are a big fan of these combat pseudo combat like that type of of mentality. Oh, yeah. you, did you ever play uh, Diablo? I didn't, but a lot of people. Actually, you're not the first person to bring that up recently. A lot of people have been suggesting it, and I saw that there was a new one that was released. 
Yeah, the beta, I think, came out recently. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure when. I, I mean, I know they've got a release date for the actual one, but Diablo 3 was one of these. I lived in college. Uh, I went to the University of Georgia for my final mm -hmm. two years, junior, senior year, lived in a house with six other dudes. Um, so mm -hmm. it's a three-story house, just like quintessential college life. I think at one point we put our couches in the living room on like risers to have like stadium movie theater seating uh, in, in that space. And we would all just get together and play Diablo because it's one of these where you can have like, you know, four or five, six guys like playing all at the same time. And it is very just hack and slashy kind of you get the uh, all mm -hmm. of the different uh, moves queued up on your yeah. on your keypad and everything like that. But just so yeah, much fun, especially if you want to play with a bunch of people, like if you play online um, <laughs> with with a bunch of dudes like that is a great game. So I, I think Diablo four, you're going to you're going to really dig. OK, OK, I'm, I'm not, I might have to give it a shot because it's yeah, it, it looks really interesting. I really, um, you know, this is this is pretty super super nerd typical of me but uh <laughs> one way that i judge video games that uh i haven't tried yet is i'll look up the um i'll look at the release videos and stuff to kind of get an idea of the premise of the game and stuff yeah and diablo looked pretty effing cool i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it looks pretty it looks pretty interesting the cutscenes in that game are so are interesting i've like never seen it at least in diablo 3 i'd never at the time like never really seen anything kind of quite like that because it's it's very illustrative but then it so it'll start as like a piece of parchment and then like people almost scribbling on it but it's the lore itself is very um you know biblical right it's it's the mm -hmm. devil and yeah. it's angels and it's like we're so it's not hard to wrap your head around the battle of good versus evil but i just think stylistically the way that they um portray everything is so so cool so if you're into that yeah. visual and you, and you know you want to watch some of these gameplay trailers or all of that stuff, I, I definitely think it will hook you. Um, but The Last of Us, I mean, that was something we talked about as well. Did you ever mm -hmm. get around to seeing that show? Did you catch up on it? I did. I watched it. Heck yeah. Great show. Awesome show. What did you like, think like about uh, like the portrayals of the characters? I thought it was good. As, uh, as an archer myself, I was sad that there wasn't a bow in there. Um, <laughs> But you know, I from what I played The Last of Us, it's it seemed like every, they they did a pretty decent job. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, honestly, I have I have no complaints about the show that I can come up with immediately. Um, I I thought I it was think, I thought it was really good. Yeah, I, I don't think they got weird about anything. I don't think no. I I, th I thought it was actually a very good show. I was I was very happy uh, to watch it. I enjoyed it quite a, quite a bit. I, I really thought that the the whole characterization of of Joel um, by Pedro Pascal was was solid uh, and yeah I mean oh yeah great casting choice too with pa with Pascal it, it was excellent. not anything I think I saw cut like when when the casting decision was made because forever right when they when the rumors were ten years ago hey a Last of Us game is getting made it was of course um, Hugh Jackman I think a lot of people had pinned down for that. Joel role because he was mm -hmm. Wolverine at the time, that like gruff, just kind of, hey, bub, like, mm -hmm. what do you need? Like that type of mentality. But I thought Pedro Pascal really was quiet, was subdued, was almost just like a, a tracker in the woods who had lived by himself for 15 years and then mm -hmm. brought on this, this lion cub to, to take on. And that's what Ellie is. So, uh, yeah, I thought, I thought the growth, the maturity that, that he saw or that 
he showed. And then, of course, yeah, Bella Ramsey playing Ellie. Uh, the last few episodes were were a big showcase for her. Um, but you're a big hunter yourself. How do you think you would fare in a in a Last of Us situation? Are you you making it to the very end of the game? <laughs> well, you know, everybody'd like to think so. Uh, <laughs> you, everyone you ask, uh, I of course I'd like to think so, but I I don't know that uh. Oh, that that detecting by sound thing that that would be kind of difficult to get around. Yeah, that's true. You're I, I like big. Um, yeah, I like. <laughs> well, oh god, what was his name? Frank. The uh, yeah. Uh, I, I I like his setup with the fence. That's honestly probably something similar to what I'd try to do, just because you gotta you gotta keep him off your property, man. <laughs> <laughs> that whole scene when he's like sitting back, sipping just wine, watching the like flamethrowers torch everybody in the premises. Yeah, that was that was excellent. That was fabulous. I I remember we used to um in the building of Flowery Branch sit there and joke that if if like a zombie apocalypse zombie apocalypse actually happened, mm-hmm. the roof of Flowery Branch like that's the place to go. Because you, you'd, yeah. you'd have the you'd have the cafeteria right there. You could hopefully grab all the snacks and make it up. But then the fields, just the way that it's you can see from kind of miles around, and you've got the high mm-hmm. ground. So that that was. I, I feel bad sure. now putting this out on the podcast because everybody's gonna <laughs> gonna know our plans now. But that was gonna be our <laughs> secret hiding space. I like it. I like it. That would be a good choice. That'd be a good choice. So before yeah. before we kind of wrap this thing up, Caleb, what what else do you have on the docket for the off season? Like, what does an off season look like for a professional athlete? Uh, a lot of work, man. Just a lot of a lot of work, um, and not not much rest because you know we're already gearing back up for a uh, spring ball right now, OTAs, and uh, you know a lot of a lot of training. You can't afford to let yourself get too far out of shape and stuff, and you know, obviously, you're not playing games or having a full practice still, so you're not gonna right. quite be in the shape you were in. But as long as you, as long as you keep working out, you keep maintaining yourself, you'll be all right. Um, that's re- that's really it. Like I'm, I know a lot of us take trips or, and stuff. You know, we try to do a lot of guys like to travel just to try to see and experience the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to try to get a few hunting trips in when I can. This year hasn't been uh, quite as. Um, extensive as i would have liked but there's a little there's a little bit of stress with um you know free agency and whatnot coming up and yeah i don't know it just it just didn't it was just kind of a weird year i guess and i just didn't end up getting getting to go do a whole bunch but that's all right i've got a little bit of <laughs> yeah i mean the free agency thing can be hard and and i'm i know it can be stressful it was it, are you one of those players that says like, "Hey, like my agent's going to deal with that. He keeps me in the loop." Or did you like to be a little bit more connected in this process and and really fully experience it yourself? I pretty much let my agent handle things because you know that's kind of his job. Um, and I just had him keep me updated and tried to keep from over stressing about it. Yeah, though I I don't know how well I succeeded, but <laughs> <laughs> you know I kind of I just kind of tried to let him take the reins and do his thing. That that makes a lot of sense. And I mean, I think I would do the exact same thing uh, if I was in your shoes. But last question, Caleb, before I uh, let you get out of here, and I really, really do appreciate the time. This has been awesome. Yeah. Hopefully unpacking you as the person for the, uh, for the fan base a little bit. But you mentioned hunting, these hunting trips. What's your favorite thing to hunt? Oh, boy. You know, honestly, I haven't gotten to hunt that much of a variety of animal 
uh, just because you know football season. But do you have a dream hunt? Then let me let me rephrase oh, that. Oh. Oh yeah, I, I would love to go take an elk or moose with my bow. I would just, I would absolutely love that. What kind of bow uh, do you need for that? I, I mean, my, I have a, I have a sixty-three pound uh, longbow that would do the trick. Um, <laughs> yeah, I shoot, I shoot a, I, sh- I shoot a heavy arrow though too. I shoot a, I shoot a freaking tree branch. <laughs> so, um, you know, no, I. That would be awesome. My favorite animal to hunt right now probably would be black bear, uh, because okay. they're uh, they're very difficult to hunt, and they're really smart. They're really they're actually really fast, and most people don't realize bears are really good runners and they're mm-hmm. really good endurance runners. Um, uh, no, I, I would say probably currently my favorite thing to hunt is uh, black bear. That would be, I think bear would just be a really good uh, Top Gun call sign for you. Just, just bear. <laughs> bear. I'd, faster than I'd you think. That. Coming to maul your ass. Fast, we got it. Faster than you think. <laughs> <laughs> great, like great in running, open spaces. Uh, Caleb, this has been so much fun. I really appreciate it. I'm sure uh, everybody else is, who's listening to this has enjoyed it as well. Uh, we're all really excited to have you back in Atlanta, uh, part of this journey that hopefully results in a, in a return to the playoffs. and better things uh, in the future for you guys. Amen, man. Thanks for having me. It was, it was a blast. I appreciate it. Of course. We'll have to do it again sometime. Oh, yeah. Today's podcast was presented by Bet Online. Again, a huge thank you to Kayla McGarry for taking the time to come on the podcast and talk a little bit about his journey so far and some of his interests off the field. Um, We would love to have some more players come on. So we're going to continue to keep trying uh, that route next week. Look for us to get back to the draft a little bit more um, and just kind of dive deeper into that. Now that we are into the month of April, Um, Ovi should be back on the podcast sometime soon. Don't know exactly when uh, just yet, but I'll make sure to keep you guys informed on that. But yeah, look out next week. We got the draft coming up. Again, thank you guys so much for listening. Please spread the word when and where you can. um, And we'll see you next time. Until then, take care. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.